Section 6 of Lives of the Most Remarkable Criminals Who Have Been Condemned and Executed for Murder, the Highway, Housebreaking, Street Robberies, Coining, or Other Offenses. Volume 1. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Lives of the Most Remarkable Criminals Who Have Been Condemned and Executed volume one edited by arthur l hayward section six robert perkins thief i should never have undertaken this work without believing it might in some degree be advantageous to the public young persons and especially those in a meaner state are i presume those who will make up the bulk of my readers and these too are they who are more commonly seduced into practices of this ignominious nature i should therefore think myself unpardonable if i did not take care to furnish them with such cautions as the examples i am giving of the fatal consequences of vice will allow at the same time that i exhibit those adventures and entertaining scenes which disguise the dismal path and make the road to ruin pleasing they meet here with a true prospect of things the tinsel splendor of sensual pleasure and that dreadful price men pay for it shameful death i hope it may be of use in correcting the errors of juvenile tempers devoted to their passions with whom sometimes danger passes for a certain road to honour and the highway seems as tempting to them as chivalry did to don quixote such and some other such like are very unlucky notions in young heads and too often inspire them with courage enough to dare the gallows which seldom fails meeting with them in the end as to the particulars of the person's life we are now speaking of they will be sufficient to warn those who are so unhappy as to suffer from the ill usage of their parents not to fall into courses of so base a nature but rather to try every honest method to submit rather than commit dishonest acts thereby justifying all the ill-treatment they have received and by their own follies blot out the remembrance of their cruel parents crimes for though it sometimes happens that they are reduced to necessities which force them in a manner on what brings them to disgrace yet the ill-natured world will charge all upon themselves or at most will spare their pity till it comes too late and when the poor wretch is dead will add to their reflections on him as harsh ones as on those from whom he has descended robert perkins was the son of a very considerable innkeeper in or near hempstead in hertfordshire who during the lifetime of his wife treated him with great tenderness and seeming affection sending him to school to a person in a neighbouring village who was very considerable for his art of teaching and professing his settled resolution to give his son bob a very good education but no sooner had death snatched away the poor woman by whom mr perkins had our unhappy robin than his father began to change his measures first of all the unfortunate lad experienced the miseries that flow from the careless management of a widower who forgetting all obligations to his deceased wife thought of nothing but diverting himself and getting a new helpmate but robin continued not long in this state his hardships were quickly increased by the second marriage of his father upon which he was fetched home and treated with some kindness at first but in a little time perceiving how things were going and perhaps expressing his suspicions too freely his mother-in-law soon prevailed to have him turned out 
and absolutely forbidden his father's house the ready way to force a naked uninstructed youth on the most sinful courses whether robin at that time did anything dishonest is not certain but being grievously pinched with cold one night and troubled also with dismal apprehensions of what might come to his sister he got a ladder and by the help of it climbed in at his mother's window this was immediately exaggerated into a design of cutting her throat and poor bob was thereupon utterly discarded a short time after this old mr perkins died and left a fortune of several thousand pounds behind him for which the poor young man was never a groat the better being bound out prentice to a baker and left as to everything else to the wide world his inclination joined to the rambling life which he had hitherto led induced him to mind the vulgar pleasures of drinking gaming and idling about much more than his business which to him appeared very laborious there are everywhere companions enough to be met with who are ready to teach ignorant youths the practice of all sorts of debauchery perkins fell quickly among such a set and often rambled abroad with them on the usual errands of whoring shuffleboard or skittle-playing etc the thoughts of that estate which in justice he ought to have possessed did not a little contribute to make him thus heedless of his business for as is usual with weak minds he affected living at the rate his father's fortune would have afforded him rather than in the frugal manner which his narrow circumstances actually required methods which necessarily pushed him on such expeditions for supply as drew on those misfortunes which rendered his life miserable and his death shameful one day having agreed with some young lads in the neighbourhood to go out upon the rake they steered their course to whitechapel and going into a little alehouse began to drink stoutly sing bawdy songs and indulge themselves in the rest of those brutal delights into which such wretches are used to plunge under the name of pleasure in the height however of all their mirth the people of the house missing out of the till a crown piece with some particular marks they sent for a constable and some persons to assist him who caused all the young fellows instantly to be separated and searched one by one on which the marked crown was found in robert perkins's pocket and he was thereupon immediately carried before a justice who committed him to newgate the sessions coming on soon after and the case being plain he was cast and ordered for transportation having time enough however before he was shipped to consider the melancholy circumstances into which his ill-conduct had reduced him and to think of what was fitting for him to do in the present sad state he was in at first nothing ran in his head but the cruelties with which he had met from his family but as the time of his departure drew nearer he meditated how to gain the captain's favour and to escape some hardships in the voyage robin had the good luck to make himself tolerably easy in the ship his natural good nature and obliging temper prevailing so far on the captain of the vessel that he gave him all the liberty and afforded him whatever indulgence it was in his power to permit with safety but our young traveller had much worse luck when he came on shore at jamaica where he was immediately sold to a planter for ten pounds and his trade of baker being of little use there his master put upon him much the same labour as he did his negroes robin's constitution was really incapable of great fatigue his master therefore finding in the end that nothing would make him work sold him to another who put him upon his own employment of baking building an oven on purpose 
but whether his master really used him cruelly or whether his idle inclinations made him think all labor cruel usage is hard to say but however it was bob ran away from this master and got on board a ship which carried him to carolina from whence he said he travelled to maryland and shipped himself there in a vessel for england after being taken by the spaniards and enduring many other great hardships he at last with much difficulty got home as is too frequently the practice of these unhappy wretches who are ready to return from tolerable plenty to the gallows after his arrival in england he wrought for near two years together at his own business and had the settled intention to live honestly and forsake that disorderly state of life which had involved him in such calamities but the fear he was continually in of being discovered rendered him so uneasy and so unable to do anything that at last he resolved to go over into the east indies for this purpose he was come down to gravesend in order to embark when he was apprehended and being tried on an indictment for returning from transportation he was convicted thereon and received sentence of death during the time he lay under conviction the principles of a good education began again to exert themselves and by leading him to a thorough confidence in the mercies of christ weaned him from that affection which hitherto he had for this sinful and miserable world in which as he had felt nothing but misery and affliction the change seemed the easier so that at last he began not only to shake off the fear of death but even to desire it nor was this calmness short and transitory but he continued in it until the time he suffered which was on the fifth of july seventeen twenty one at tyburn he said he died with less reluctance because his ruin involved nobody but himself he leaving no children behind him and his wife being young enough to get a living honestly End of section six.